five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Fifteen minutes of flame, the hottest podcast on the internet. It was Don Ho live from the Hollywood Palace in 1967 at the height of his Ho powers. And that one goes out to Maurice 100, who uh, inadvertently requested the uh, Polynesian Bubble King. Don, of course, that song, Tiny Bubbles, was made popular by none other than uh, Dean Martin. But uh, Ho put his own particular spin on it, which took it to a whole other soothing level. Am I right? Don Ho, interesting character. Uh, when he was around, he kind of, I think musically, he kind of ran Hawaii. Like he was the Don of popular music in Hawaii. And you know, Don Ho was not a one-trick pony. Oh no. Don could rock as well. Don could in a weird way, he was kind of like the uh he was kind of like the Hawaiian Elvis. He was kind of like the Hawaiian Elvis. Let me just show you, let me give you an example of of how Don Ho could rock out. And of course he's going to get some, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but uh, he's going to get some testimonials here. And one of the testimonials he gets at the beginning, now this is a night in Hawaii. This would be uh, 21 years later, 1988 uh, with Don Ho. And apparently he's reuniting with his uh, famous backup band here. And he gets a, a major shout out from, uh, William Conrad, who, of course, uh, most people know as the the portly former police detective known as Cannon. So let's just go into the rockin' world of Don Ho for just a minute here. Don knew how Don knew how to work a crowd too. All right, here we go. That crowd, you don't get much more white than that crowd. Let me tell you. You just, that doesn't happen. It's pretty, pretty, pretty sanitary crowd there. Don Ho, he had it. He had that magic and charisma that tied it all together. And that's what they call showbiz. There's only one Don Ho. There'll never be another Don Ho. Remember that. Underrated, overrated, underrated, Don Ho, underrated. Had 10 kids, he had 10 little hoes. <clears throat> of course, he's a Leo. 
It's got the hair. Use the Don. So Maurice, thank you for bringing Don Ho into our, our sphere of awareness once again. It's always great to tap into one of the true, true greats in the music world. Oh, oh by the way, guess who got a divorce yesterday? Miguel. Coffee in the morning, he got a divorce. So I think you guys cursed him. When you when you were summarily thumbs down on coffee in the morning, I swear to God, I read that yesterday uh, in the New York Post. That Miguel married three years, but with his life partner for 10 years. They're going their own separate ways. It happens. Except not here, not with Jasper. Jasper, you are long for the ride. You're long for the ride. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. Thank you for uh, putting up with my, <laughs> my momentary infatuation with Don Ho. We might go a little deeper down the ho-hole and uh, try to, try to uh, find out a little bit more about Mr. Ho's past and legacy. It's really funny about that song. So I put that up on uh, Twitter last night. I was kind of fucking around on Twitter. And JJ, who's probably in the chat, I'll check the chat. JJ is usually in the chat. Um, <laughs> JJ, first of all, she said, my parents took me to see Don Ho when I was a kid. And then I played that clip and she said, oh my God, I think that's the very same. She went to Hawaii to go see Don Ho. She went, he, she went to the hall of the Luau Aloha King. How many people can say that? You see, I worked that crowd. You say tiny and I'll say bubbles. Right. So then they crowd tiny. The crowd can actually sing pretty well. Tiny bubbles. In my wine. All right. We're having a good time here. We got to have a bit of a good time as the world races towards the apocalypse. I hope you're all prepared. I hope you all have at least three months worth of food, possibly more. Three months worth of water, all the essentials that you'll need to fend off the zombies, uh, the killer robots, the drones, the aliens, uh, the alien invaders, and your neighbors from down the road who have all of a sudden become absolutely uh, possessed uh, and uh, uh, greedy, and all they want is what you have. So I hope you're all prepared to the best of your ability to soldier through these times. And of course, you'll need a good dose of faith along the way in order to make it to the other side. And uh, we're here today and every day to provide you with a little bit of faith and humor, uh, some twisted insight, comfort, and hopefully also with the great Chataria, a little communion as well. Had some great readings yesterday. Really great readings. I love my clients. I get the best clients. I really do. I get the absolute best. You know why I get the best clients? Because there's a resonance, right? Like 
people when they go to find like an astrologer, like, oh, this person sounds like me, or this person relates with me, or you know, this is how it works, right? They're like, you know, I, I don't get I don't get every now and then I I'll get a liberal person, like a super liberal. And I'm and, and I'm not saying I get conservative people all the time, but I do. So I, I don't, it's, it's, you know, it's all about sound and resonance and vibration. So I get people that vibrate with whatever it is that, you know, that I'm doing in the moment with them, for them. It's great. It's great. Seldom do I ever have a client and I scratch my head and go, what the fuck just happened here? It happens every now and then, by the way, every now and then, but um, generally not. So I'm really blessed to have great clients. So is Jasper. He's always up there with me. Whenever I'm doing readings in the upper room, he's right here, right there next to my side, providing inspiration from the invisible realms. Yes, you are. You are my helper cat. Okay, so let's see. We got some things to cover today. God, the world is just getting so fucking weird. It's like we were, we were saying that two years ago. It's getting weirder. I mean, it's getting it's getting weirder. And will it get weirder? Oh yeah, it's going to get even weirder. And so we're on the journey of the weird, and that's why we need patron saints. Patron saints are a very important part of uh, our ability to stay protected and armed with the most. Uh, powerful spiritual armor that we can have. So one of the things that I want to do moving forward is I want to be able to, um, I want to be able to feature a saint every now and then on the show. And when you get into the lives of saints, boy, there's some, there's some very strange saints. I've been going through the feast days of the various saints. Yes, I do this for you. This is why you are a member and support this show. Who else is going to bring you the life of St. Faustina Kowalska? Who else is going to bring you this? Yep, there's a lot of people out there that are going to take you down a rabbit hole. They're going to help you decode the mystery to the best of their ability, give you the latest updates on the red versus blue, the white versus black, the left versus versus right. But who is going to give you St. Faustina Kowalska? That's what I want to know. And why is she important? Well, this is a artistic rendering of the man that St. Faustina Kowalska lived with on a daily basis. So in order to fully appreciate our saint of the day, who is a virgin, by the way, she's very pretty. She's a very pretty, pretty woman. So today is her day, October 5th. Her liturgical color is white, and she is the patron saint of mercy. Mercy. So if somebody pisses you off, right, you invoke St. Faustina Kowalska or St. Faustina Kowalska. The W is probably like a V. Her humble sail caught a powerful theological wind. 
Now, this is from uh, My Catholic Life, and this is somebody who actually writes about the life of saints. And I got to tell you, the uh, editorial is uh, very, how, how do I say this? Au courant. It's very au courant, and I'll show you here in a second. The martyr Saint Faustino, it should be Faustina, come on, get it right, Faustino's a dude was killed in the second decade of the second century in northern Italy under the emperor Hadrian. That's the first one. Oh, that's, that's her male counterpart, Faustino. My bad. St. Faustina was a peasant in the best sense of the word. She could read and write, but otherwise attended school for only a few years in her rural village in central Poland. Her large and pious family needed her hand on the plow, financially speaking. And so at the age of 16, Young Helen Kowalska obtained work as a housekeeper in nearby towns. She was expert in the domestic arts of sewing, cleaning, cooking, and the related skills which convert a house into a home. These skills served her well, but not long in the convents where she resided throughout her short life. While she felt called to be a religious sister as a child, Helen's parents were reluctant to let her enter a convent at too tender an age. Yeah, they wanted her to work. They're like, yeah, we're not going to give you up to God yet. We, we need you. Clean the house. And put your hand on the plow, sister. But then in later her late teens, Christ appeared and spoke to Helen in mysterious and deeply personal encounters, demanding she not keep him waiting much longer. These visions propelled the pious teen to seek acceptance in a big city convent. She went to a big city convent. She moved to Warsaw at 19, received advice from a sympathetic priest, and knocked on the doors of various convents, hoping that one of them, just one, would accept her. One finally did. After proving herself in its novitiate, she took solemn vows and spent the rest of her life as a faithful nun, doing humble chores alongside her religious sisters in convents in Poland and present-day Lithuania. Now, what, what makes her stand out? As a saint, it's her personal relationship with Jesus. So check this out. Like so many saints, the unseen vigils, prayers, mortifications, fasts, and sufferings were Faustina's real life. While the visible realities seen by her fellow religious and occasional visitor were of lesser importance. And what went unseen in St. Faustina's life was astounding. This humble nun experience remarkably vivid, high octane, technicolor, 3D visions of Jesus Christ in the chapel behind the door in her cell. High octane, technicolor, 3D visions. Uh, my Catholic life is uh, writing from a bit of a postmodern perspective here. Kind of interesting. So every every around every corner, there there be there be. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here to remind you. Thank you for your work and stay pious, stay pious, sister. His desires for life, he commanded her repeatedly to spread the message of divine mercy. Accordingly, Faustina had an artist paint a famous image of Christ with two rays emanating from his chest, promoted a liturgical feast day in the honor of the divine mercy. On the Sunday after Easter, it kept an exhaustive diary chronicling the content of her vivid spiritual experience. So she's canonized. She is the saint of mercy. So if you need a little mercy in your life, 
Saint Faustina is your is your gal. All right, so we got a little Don Ho, little Saint Faustina. I think we've set the table here. Let me uh, let's see what we got. I got to go to uh, my buddy Chris. So True Hemp Science is in kind of a popularity contest right now, and um, I need to I need to copy this. And let me put it over here because we got to give uh, our pal Chris some love here. So what we're doing now is I'm I'm mobilizing the troops. Let me go one more. Tiny bubbles. Who's gonna sing tiny bubbles at the event? In the wine. Okay, give me one sec here. Oh, come on. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Okay, here we go. Part two of this. Okay, I'm doing this for you, Chris. Normally, I wouldn't do it for you, buddy. But I'm doing this for you. Okay. So this is a bit of a... Uh, Nod to my sponsor for the awesome hemp products that uh, True Hemp Science delivers. So True Hemp Science is in a bit of a popularity contest, like a best of in Austin. So if you wanted to uh, give our guy... Chris and True M Science, a little bit of love. This is uh, right here. This is Keep Austin Fit. And um, Survey Monkey, I'll put the link here in the chat. I'll even put it in the show, show, uh, show page here. Austin Fit Magazine's Best of 2022 poll. So what do we have here? Best place to work out, best boot camp, best CrossFit gym, best yoga studio, Best Barret Studio, Best Pilates Studio, Best Legree Studio, Best Cycling Studio, Best Boxing and MMA Gym, Best community, Free Community to Workout, Best Virtual Experience. Okay, we keep going, 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 keep going. Best Influencer in Austin Health and Fitness Community, Hardest Workout in Austin. Boy, there's a lot of competition here, a lot of, lot of uh, Best New Gym, Best Rock Climbing, Best Aerial, Best Sports Recovery, Best Skate Park, Best Pickleball. Oh, there's more. So what do we have? Best store for fitness apparel, best spa experience, best staycation, best nonprofit, best running shoe, best bike shop, best CBD shop. Page two, number eight, best CBD shop. You can type right in there, True Hemp Science. Now, if you are so inclined, uh, there's another thing that you can do. And uh, I'll just bring this out here too. You don't even have to. You don't even have to go to the uh, website there. If you're so inclined, so astrologically inclined, so technologically inclined, there's a barcode right there, uh, a Q code. You just go right in. You know what? I don't do Q codes, but for Chris, 
I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to Q code this thing and I'm going to vote for him with my Q code reader. And I'm not even sure how that happens, but let's see. Here we go. Open survey. Here we go. And I'm just going to, oh, that takes you to, all right. So the Q code right there takes you to Austin Fit Magazine. Vote best CBD, page two, number eight. And it is the best CBD. I had a little moon dust in my coffee today. If Don Ho was alive, he would do a song about moon dust. You're kind of a, 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 a little romantic ditty about moon dust. Moon dust in my coffee in the morning makes me feel fine. I think I might do Don Ho at the, at the uh, event. What do you think, Jasper? Let's do a little visual here for our good friend and sponsor of the show, True Hemp Science. Take you into the ultra calm, soothing ASMR space of the homepage. And if you want to get uh, some of the moon dust that I put in my coffee this morning, which I did do, by the way, you can get it right here. True Hemp Science backslash trimscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And if you get $100 a product or more, you get free product thrown in 150 and you get free shipping. So it's a triple win all the way around. It's a win for Chris. He gets to build his business. It's a win for you. You get free, you get the great product bonus product. Actually, it's a quadruple win. It's a win for me because he's my, um, you know, sponsor of the show. And uh, Chris and I have a fiduciary relationship, if you know what I mean. Uh, and it's also a win for Jasper because it keeps Jasper in cat food. And it's a win for our community because hemp is the plant that binds us together. So there you go. True M Science. Get the moon dust. It's a good investment. All right, let's get into Chataria. The Chatarians. I can see it on Wikipedia 20 years from now. The Chatarians were an obscure internet group that formed in the 2020s around an astrologer by the name of Robert Phoenix. This virtual community believed in a number of different things, but still not clear what exactly they completely believed in. However, their fellowship was unshakable. All right, let's see what we got. Okay. Fran, what's going on, Fran? Fran's still celebrating the birthday week. Yes, he's right. Don Ho fucking rocked out, man. Ain't no big thing. Empath, Don Ho is definitely the entertainer. Wendy says, big hug. Big hug to you, Wendy. Scrubbies, the women in the audience. 
had the big hair, and boy, were they into Dawn. If I was one of those husbands, I'd feel a little jealous for about 90 minutes. But it would all be okay later on if said wife was all lathered up after spending 90 minutes in the presence of the dawn and her, her romantic tendencies were tingled. Here's JJ. I was a teenager and rolling my eyes at my mom and her love for the dawn. That is so funny that she went to that concert. That is, it's a small world. I wonder if Don Ho did a version of small world. Could you imagine that? It's a small world after all. Ain't nobody clucking here but us chickens. Uh, Tom is in the house. Anna's in the house. Kelly B. 80s were such a swinging time. You got the shoulder pads, the big hair, and the dawn. Sony's here. Hi, Sony. I think one of the reasons Russia's a chopping block is their whiteness. Uh, well, the, the whiteness and the nationalism of Russia, I think, I mean, we're just in a really weird time and space because on the one hand, yeah, that's true. On the other hand, the ruble's gone through the roof. Uh, it looks like Saudi Arabia is about to do a deal with the BRICS countries, decouple from the dollar. So Russia is being weaponized clearly against the West, against North America. You think Russia cares? You think Russia minds? Hell to the no. It's exactly what they want to do. So, yeah, I mean, could two things be correct? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Could Russia be a threat to the hegemony of the new world order and the great reset based on its nationalism, its readoption? Of the orthodox fate, fate, faith, yes. It's skin tone, yes. All things can be equally true. Can Russia be weaponized against the West, the United States? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the one thing that people have a hard time wrapping their head, head around, is that both things can be equally true. Uh, let's see. Polynesian magic. Absolutely, Kelly. Is Maury here? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Tom Brady. Tom Brady and Giselle. Splitsville. Splitsville. Who called that, by the way? Go back to my Sunday night show a few weeks back. Went to the charts. I'm like, no. Not going to make it. There was not enough Don Ho in Tom Brady's game. He needed more Ho. He needed more Ho. He was the Tom, and not the, they're both Leos, by the way. Don Ho's a Leo, Tom Brady's a Leo. Uh, but uh, you know, Tom Tom did not get on that Saturn opposition express. He needed to quit. He needed to retire. He needed to do something different. And what did he do? He said, "I'm going to play football. I just I need to." I mean, I think here's what I think happened. I think Tom Brady had a plan. And the plan was that he was going to stop playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was going to take on um, an ownership stake in the Miami Dolphins. And he was going to become the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback. That was the plan. He was going to be the first player in history 
to be part owner and a QB for a team. And that all blew up in his face when uh, the coach, former coach of the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores outed the owner of the Miami Dolphins who was working on a deal with Tom Brady. This is what happened. Brian Flores blew it up because Brian Flores was not happy that he got fired. The plan ultimately was to, uh, because Brian Flores was a pain in the ass too. He was a pain in the ass. He's kind of like Herschel Walker's son, which we'll get into a little bit here. Um, But that's what happened. They were going to, they were going to, Bring Tom Brady in, have him play quarterback, give him a partial ownership stake. And I think Sean Payton was going to be the head coach of the Dolphins. That's what everything, that's how everything was going to go down. And then Brian Flores decided to sue the Dolphins and sue the NFL and have a little pity party. He was a shitty coach. I mean, he was not a very good coach. So they fired him. He didn't like it. Now he's got a lawsuit against the Dolphins against the Houston Texans, uh, against the Denver Broncos, against the NFL. And he's even working now as a linebackers coach for Mike uh, Tomlin in Pittsburgh. But that's what happened. That's what Tom was supposed to do, right? Is that different? A little bit. You get a bit of an ownership stake is a little bit different. Not completely different. The real different thing would have been to, after the Super Bowl that he won in Tampa Bay, to retire, go out on top. You showed the world you could do it without Bill Belichick. But he didn't do it. Now his marriage is uh, coming to a grinding halt. Grinding halt. So we're going to be reading Tom and Giselle headlines for the next year. We'll be watching who Giselle is going to be dating. All the suitors that are lining up for her. Honestly, I don't think she's that attractive. It's a little, a little too hard edgy for me. All right, who else do we have here? Uh, Kelly B. loved Hawaii in the weather. Oh, did we get Maurice in the house? Maurice is here. Equicentric is here. Uh, Pe- Michael Pafford loved me some. Hey, Lyle Coyote in the house. What's going on, Trickster King? Good to see you. Mr. Key is here. Scrubbies, Tamara, Scorpio checking in. Hello to all who said hi to me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. We've got more, any more uh, sinks galore. Oh, I have a sink from the other day. I was going to bring it out at some point. Crazy sink. Today, Hucklebuck for love. Today, Matt Monroe's from Russia with love has a darker meaning. Matt Monroe's pretty good. I have to admit. DJ MC, what's going on, Michael? Going to see you soon. Welcome. Uh, did I say hi to Anna Sophia? If not, there's my hi to Anna Sophia. Okay, here we go. Childhood story from JJ. When I was a toddler, I broke my leg before my parents were supposed to go to Hawaii. They never got to go. So for the 25th anniversary, the wedding anniversary, they took my brother and I with them to Hawaii. And that's when she had, that's when she had a meeting with the dawn. I don't know. Chat's scrolling for me. I don't know why. Sometimes it's your computer. There's Steve Thor at the door. What's going on, brother Steve? Ryan. Morning, Ryan. Kabuki Theater. What's happening, Bo? Good to see you. 
Uh, let's see. Did I leave anybody out? Going once, going twice, going three times. I think we're all here present accounted for. I think I've, oh, Beth Barry. I miss St. Philomena. I got a saint for you. The whole story, these, the stories of these saints are nuts. They're completely nuts in a lot of ways. Let me, let me just quickly give you the rundown of another saint. I can't help myself. All right. So <laughs> the good doctor and I were looking for a saint for her day, her feast day. For all of you who are wondering what that is, that is March 5th. So I went through all the various saints on March 5th. And I mean, I went through all of them. We went through all of them together on the phone to try to find the right saint for her day. And um, some of these saints have very obscure stories. Let me introduce you to one of them. Let me introduce you to Mark the Ascetic. Mark the Ascetic is a saint. Not just any saint. And the thing that 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 provided him with the seal of canonization will show you just how much of a saint Mark the Ascetic is. What's interesting about Mark the Ascetic is that he's also known as Mark the Wrestler. I bet you didn't know that. He's also known as Mark the Hermit. So Mark the Hermit Wrestler. But his, uh, his sanctification is based on his intellectual acumen and one of the great miracles he performed. So let me read this to you. Fifth century monk may have been disciple of St. John of uh, Chrysostom and friend of St. Nihilus, the ascetic. So he belongs to the ascetic family of saints. But it's questionable. May have, but it's questionable. Okay. Wrote over 200 texts on spiritual law baptism, repentance, grace, and holy works and other topics may have been the abbot at uh, Ancyra, but later became a desert hermit. He opposed the Messalian heresy. It taught that each person has a personal demon that even baptism cannot conquer, okay? So, like, you got a personal demon, and baptism and anything else... Like, you're fucked. You wrestled with the demon all your life. Mark wrote against the Nestorians, said to have known the scriptures by heart. Now, here's where he becomes a powerful saint, the thing that really sets him apart from other saints. Legend says he once cured a hyena that had been born blind. <laughs> but the next line is crazy. Not sure why. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is how St. Mark the Ascetic got his canonization. He once cured a hyena that had been born blind. Man, those are some pretty magical powers. He may have. That's his, that's his claim to fame. Come here, hyena. Come here, my little friend. I know, I know that you've been cursed 
without sight, but through the power of God, through the power of God, I'm going to restore your vision. Oh, yes, my little hyena friend. Yes. Ooh, let it be. Let it be. See, see amongst God's bounteous nature. Now you can see again. Who was there to witness that, though? It's, it's obvious that we did not choose Mark the ascetic. His qualifications were dubious. Even though the, the hyena story is, is heartwarming. Because who wants to give eyesight to a hyena that, would, that was born blind? Not many. It sets them apart. However, that was not the saint that we agreed upon. Because his powers, his saintly powers, were far more advanced than St. Mark the ascetic. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about St. Piran. St. Piran is the Don Ho of saints, let me tell you. This guy was a certified badass, okay? Certified badass. Let me just tell you how much of a badass he was. Cornish legend says Piran was captured in his old age by pagan Irish, jealous of his miraculous powers, especially his ability to heal. They tied a millstone around his neck and threw him off a cliff into a sea during a storm. As Piran hit the water, the storm abated, and the millstone bobbed to the surface like a cork. On his stone raft, Piran sailed for Cornwall, landed at Perrin Beach, built a small chapel on Penhale Sands, and made his first converts, a badger, a fox, and a bear. He lived there for years as a hermit, working miracles for the locals. Think about that for a moment. The guy is abducted by jealous pagans. They're jealous of his ability to heal. And so they're going to get rid of him. They're going to get rid of the competition. It's like the pagans are like the mafia. They're going to tie a millstone around neck, throw him off a cliff and be done with him. But as soon as he enters the raging waters during a turgid storm. St. Piran miraculously survives. The millstone, which is supposed to take him to the bottom of the ocean, instead becomes a flotation device, which he turns into a raft, which propels him to Cornwall, where he lands, sets up a church, and converts a badger, a fox, and a bear. Now, if that is not Don whole like powers and beatitude, I don't know what is. That is that is a saint. That is a badass saint. He's like, fuck you. You're going to try and kill me? I'm going to turn your millstone into a life raft. And I'm going to sail away. And I'm going to start a church. And I'm going to convert the animals. And I'm going to perform miracles and magic on the beach there in Cornwall. So kiss my ass, pagans. That's right. So St. Piran, uh, what is he the saint of? Miners. He also helped uh, discover tin. He's got his own flag. 
So there's a saying out there for everybody. Everybody. St. Piran, the March 5th Beatitude. All right, let's get into some heavier news a little bit here. I got to bring the heavy in. We have to bring the heavy in because that's why I've advertised here. You want heavy, you get heavy. So this is uh, the headline story. I'm going to get into this, and it, and it dovetails into the bigger story. So the headline story is the fact that this uh, group, ICANN, is going to get the dirt. They're going to get the dirt uh, from the CDC over how unsafe the vaccines actually were. So I'm going to read this here. Informed Consent Action Network, ICANN, just recently won a major lawsuit against the CDC requiring the agency to turn over the V-safe COVID vaccine injury data in order to collect health evaluations following vaccination against COVID-19. The CDC developed a tool called V-safe that runs on smartphones. Over 10 million participants, meaning over 10 million lemmings, signed up and submitted their health data. V-safe provides personalized and confidential health check-ins via text messages and web surveys. Oh, they love the surveys, don't they? So you can quickly and easily share with the CDC how you or your dependent feel after getting a COVID-19 vaccine. This is very important and pertinent data. This is the this is the gritty right here. This is the gritty. And these guys are going to get the gritty. Good stuff. This information helps the CDC monitor the safety of COVID-19 vaccines in near real time, said the CDC. After a successful lawsuit, ICANN was granted access to V-safe COVID vaccine injury data from the CDC. To make this data public, ICANN activated this legal team after suing the CDC twice. The CDC capitulated in a court order requiring the release of the data. According to the company news release, ICANN has taken the CDC's official raw data and created a visual dashboard interface for ease of use. Users will be able to see visual representation of more than 144 million lines of health data. Interesting number, 144. Through the ICANN's lawsuit against the CDC using customized dashboard. See image below. So if you want to get in here and you want to see the data, you're going to be able to do that. It's all transparent, which means that, guess what? It's going to come out in the wash. According to the data, out of, 10 mil, out of the 10 million people who use VSafe, 3,353,110 were hurt. And looks like uh, 6,458,751 health impacts were reported by VSafe users. What, that's almost 70%. Wow. Wow. Options for health impacts were one, unable to work or to attend school, two, unable to do your normal daily activities, and or three, get care from a doctor or other healthcare professional. Each user could have submitted more than one health impact, both during one check-in or, or over time in multiple check-ins. On Tuesday's episode of Fox News at Night with Chase Gallagher, human rights and vaccine attorney Aaron Siri discuss the CDC data on vaccine risk and impact. It took 463 days and two lawsuits for the CDC to turn over the data to Aaron Siri. So there we go. So this is big news, actually. Big. If you want to download the uh, file, you can do it right there, icandecide.org. If you want to download the file, look at all the, the data, we might just do that. We might parse through the data. 
It's all there. As you know, the CDC has quietly removed any and all mask mandates. CDC has quietly walked back everything over the last 30 days. Rochelle looks like she's been in a tanning booth with a little bit of uh, uh, melanation going on. She went from pasty white to sort of uh, a a slightly uh, mahogany red and um, looking very healthy for the general public. So why is this important? Well, it's important because guess what? This shit's going to come out. It's going to come out. I mean, astrologically, it is going to come out. South Node and Scorpio, this is where the underworld is revealed. This is where deaths, secrets, everything is revealed with the South Node and Scorpio. Comes up, bubbles up out of the surface of the underworld. So it's one of many things that's bubbling up. So we're definitely living in a time of dark revelation. When it happens, they have to have another event in order to make the other one go away for a while. And I've been talking about this easily for the last year. It's coming. It's coming because more and more evidence, more and more receipts are beginning to float to the top, just like St. Piran's millstone that floated to the top, which he got on top of and was able to uh, navigate the North Sea. St. Piran was a badass dude. He, he crossed, right? He was, in, he was in Ireland. He was in Ireland, and he wound up in Cornwall. That's some heavy magic. Anyway, that's what's going on now. This is why the dam, hence the image, hence the title of today's show, is in the show page and the headline that the dam is about to burst. They can't hold this back much longer. And it's not just that. It's also the level of awareness and, and how people... So there's a, there's a light side and a plus side to waking up, and then there's a dark side to waking up, which we've covered many times. So I'll give you another iteration of, of both because they're part of our story now. The light side, when I say light, I don't mean like, like light, tiny bubbles light. I'm talking about light as it relates to shining a light on the darkness light. The light side of this is that there are legions of people that are waking up. The internet, we have no idea how, you know, how much the internet is playing a role in the awakening of humanity. It is huge. You know, we live in our little bubbles in our little world. We get on the internet, we interact and you're in chat and I'm here and you know, we have Twitter and all these other things, right? But there are billions of functions happening right now across the world wide web. Billions of functions, including people curious, like what the fuck is going on? Like what the fuck is going on? And the pandemic was a real Kickstarter. People had time in their hands. Oh, I'm home now. What's happening? And all of a sudden, somebody sends you a, a link. Here, oh, 
hey, listen, I've been looking at this. Check this out. Check it out. Wow, that's weird. Why do you think you're doing that? I don't know, but I found this. And it all happens, right? So we're going through that right now. This is what's happening. And that's the light side. The dark side is the outcome of that. And it's not the fact that you wake up and you realize that most of the world and the story that we've been told is an absolute fabrication. That's in there, right? That is in there. But it's what also happens as you go. Because when, when, when you go down the rabbit hole, when you go down the rabbit hole and you quote unquote seek the truth, that is an occult, that is an occult operation. Make no mistake about it. It's an occult operation. Why is it an occult operation? Because occult means hidden. So you are unearthing hidden knowledge, hidden facts, hidden material. So for all intents and purposes, you are participating in, in an occult operation. And I'm not here to judge that, by the way, but that's part of the language. So what happens when you get into that space? Something goes on in your brain. For some people, like, you know, the neuropeptides and neuroreceptors line up. It's like, ooh, ooh. I'm getting something that is unique. It's hidden. It's esoteric, right? So you have the light esoteric and you have the dark esoteric. Then we went through the light esoteric phase with all the new age stuff. I swear to God, I've seen this so much. Back in the 2010s, when I was doing a lot of readings, I've been, yeah, I've been doing this for over a decade now. The majority of the people that would come to me had a, and I've said this before, had a burning desire to connect with something larger than themselves, a burning desire to experience the transcendent reality of life on this, on this plane. And for many people, as it related to what they saw in the world and other people and their role that they were participating in, that was taking on the role of being a healer. And people said, oh, I want to be a healer. Do you see that on my chart? I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look at it. I swear to God, that was a predominant thing. I want to be a healer. I want to be a healer. I want to be a healer. And some people have the goods to be a healer. Some people don't. Can we always use another good healer in the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. Could we use another mediocre healer in the world? Probably not. Can we use a less than mediocre healer? Absolutely not. Right. So, yeah, you can go, go for it. Do those things. But be good at it. You know, really be good at it. Don't just give it lip service. You know, don't go take a, you know, a couple of workshops, you know, and, uh, you know, how to become a shaman or a shamaness in 60 days. Like it's a life. It's truly a life. And in order to get really good at something, you have to make it your life. You have to understand it inside now. And it takes, it takes time every now and then, 
you get the, you know, add the powder, stir the drink, and you get the drink. Every now and then somebody has that ability. It, it can happen. I'm not saying it can't. You have to have the right saint for it. But in many cases, it takes time and it takes practice. And you have to develop a body of work. And you have to know what works, what doesn't work. So this is all just the healing stuff. Well, that's all changed. And I've talked about that now or recently. Now everybody wants to be a truth teller. Now everybody wants to be able to paint the big picture, the macrocosmic map of the world and be able to decode it and share it with other people. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with understanding the nature and the meaning of life here. Although many people will never get to the bottom of it. And, you know, I've been doing this for most of my life. And there are some things I've gotten to the bottom of, and there are other things that just like, you know, cue up the who, can't explain, can't explain it. And we're not, we're not meant to be able to explain it. We can't explain everything. If we could explain everything, we'd be God. And to some extent we are, but there's also the part of us that is the unknowing part. And that's an important part. And if you knew everything, absolutely everything, then what good would it be? You'd be able to control reality, control your life, control outcomes, it's nearly impossible with that model. Can you be effective? Can you have, um, I don't want to use the word reasonable, but I'll use it in reasonable knowledge or knowledge that is usable, usable knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't know if, you know, there, there, if you go back and you really study the the subterranean topography of you know life here when i say the psychological and psychic subterranean topography of life on this realm and you go back and look at the people who have already been there and done that some heavy hitters very heavy hitters you got manly p hall you've got rudolf steiner there are a lot of heavy hitters on the esoteric side you know, on the on the dark information side, lots of heavy hitters. I mean, there are people that have mapped this stuff out for many, many years. Some people have actually really suffered because of it. Their lives have been irrevocably changed and not for the better. Because the, the world uh, uh, with the uh, uh, lowercase version of the world, the world... And the matrix doesn't want people to spill the beans to the best of their ability, right? There's always going to be something we're not going to know. And it's okay. It's really okay. Life is a mystery, has magic in it. We can't be completely and utterly uh, rational and put together massive pieces of evidence all the time and say, well, there's this and there's this. And, you know, it's what I do. I'm, and I'm not, and I'll always do it because I was always wired this way. But the, but the, but the, the topic here is that this is now where people want to go. Oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. You can do it. I'm nothing saying you can't do it. 
right? And there's an explosion of people who are doing it because we're waking up. But it's not always an occupation or a calling. It's not. I mean, my father went through it at a certain stage. It kind of fucked up his life, actually. It really fucked. He went down the rabbit hole and he tried to get back up. You can't do that. You can't do that. Once you go down the rabbit hole, you got to keep going. There's no, there's no returning. There's no turning back. You know what happens? Well, the dirt you shoveled up begins to like come back into your mouth. And it wasn't too long after he decided he wanted to come back up from the rabbit hole that he started to get sick. And eventually, yeah, his ticket got punched. So these are important times that we're waking up. We're waking up on Moss. And clearly, the CD stuff, CDC stuff, the story I just read, they're all part of it. It's all part of it. So what's going to happen when people wake up? They don't want to put them back to sleep. They need something bigger than the thing that's waking them up. What is that bigger thing? Well, we can only imagine what the bigger thing is. Go back to where we were in 2020. After two weeks, people were starting to get restless. Two weeks to stop the spread. Two weeks to stop the spread. Two weeks to stop the spread. Well, as we meandered into the middle part of May, remember all this stuff went down on March 11th. So by the time we get to the end of middle part of April, right, middle part of April, airy season has kicked in and people are restless. It's springtime. They want to get out. Our, our biology, our biological clocks in the north are like, get out. Get out of your house. Do the things that you normally do during the springtime, whatever those things are. Make babies, make merry, play baseball, play golf, fish, whatever they are. We have seasonal activities. And they're like, slow your roll. Slow your roll. We're not done here. This thing is a lot worse than we thought it was. In fact, we're going we're gonna to tell you to, you know, you have even more strictures, more controls. And that's when people decided that they were going to go out in protest. And they did. They got in their cars. They went to capitals. I mean, this thing was starting to pick up momentum. They didn't want that. How long did that last? Not very long. On May 25th, 2020, Derek Chauvin put his knee to uh, the latex double of George Floyd. I'm convinced it's a double, by the way. I know it's a heresy, but I'm convinced it was a double. I don't know where George Floyd is now, but that wasn't George Floyd. It's too many. There's just way, way, way too many um, unanswered questions. And I just, I, 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 we've been down that path a long time ago. And then what happens? Well, we have the summer of Floyd and the riots and the burning and the statue pulling and all this other stuff bigger than COVID. It's bigger than COVID. And people, it was, it was a total gaslight moment. Just like Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre, top of mind. Just gaslighting everybody, top of mind, top of mind. It was a gaslighting moment. You're at home. You can't go anywhere. You have to wear a mask. Oh, look at all these people. 
They're all out there right now, looting, burning, pillaging, tearing down the statuary of the country that you identify with, and we're enabling them. And look at them. They're not wearing any masks, are they? What are you going to do about it? It's exactly what was happening. It was a psychological operation. It was an emasculation. It was an emasculation of the American spirit, whatever that is, which is usually can-do spirit. They had to have something bigger. That's the point I'm making here. They had to have something bigger than the thing that people were railing and rallying against, which means that where we are now with all this stuff starting to come out, I'm going to, I'm going to give you another thing that I wanted to talk about that was on my radar a couple of days ago. And um, I'm like, whoa, that's weird. And it'll help me segue into another se uh, segment here. Um, but that's where we are now. This stuff is coming out. Look at Jasper, he's like a ghost. He's like a ghost, and now he's here. That's where we are. They need something bigger. God help us. God help us that the bigger thing is going to overshadow the planetary awakening of what happened over the last two years. That's the scale and the scope that we're talking about here. Big stuff. But think about this too, right? Think about this too. This is the other part of the equation. If they're going to present a scenario that takes everybody's eyes and attention off of what happened over the last few years, which, by the way, was, was corporate genocide. And I'm not talking about corporations getting killed, although some probably didn't make it through that. I'm talking about corporations participating in the actual genocide of the planet. That's what that was. Pharmaceutical corporate genocide. So you, so they have to come up with something bigger than that. Now, on the plus side, right, because we're living in this very interesting uh, Jupiter-Saturn conjunction Aquarian world, right, the inspiration, the exhalation of the birth of the new age, the real new age, not the fake or the dark new age, the new age of the cosmic Christ, which is what we're talking about that the payoff or the thing that's the other part of the equation that's connected to the global event that is coming our way is equal to the global awakening. Just keep that in mind. It is equal to the global awakening that's taking place. At some point, there will be a moment in time with critical mass where they're going to have to shut down the inf information systems. They're, they will do that. They'll shut it down. And they're going to essentially create a void where nobody will be able to communicate. Nobody will be able to get information. So this is really important. Anything that you need, you should probably download. That's important, right? Any documents, if there's any websites, any bookmarks that you have, you need to download that stuff. What you do is you either put it on an external drive or you print it out because there's going to be a time where we're going to, the lights will come back on, power's going to come back on, uh, and but it won't be the same. It will not be the same. 
Now, on the other hand, it will also trigger another level of our awakening. Clearly, there's a lot of dumbasses out there. There were 10 million people that downloaded the stupid app from the CDD, CDC, okay? So there's a lot of dumbasses out there. There's a lot of sheep. There's a lot of people who've been programmed. There are a lot of people who are having extremely difficult times. And I'm going to put them in a different category. Right? So, you know, can we all rise up together? Can we all awaken together? Can we all get the message together? Sure, why not? Why not? Including the so-called perps. What would happen if they all woke up one day? And they were like, oh, Jesus, I've been living my life wrong. I've been living my life wrong. I got to stop this. I got to walk away from it. No matter how cool it is, no matter how much goodies I've been promised, no matter how, how much virtue signaling has been a part of my rise to this position, I need to give it up. All right, let me, let me bring this story up. This is a really interesting and weird story. Um. Give me a second here. Um, this happened uh, three days ago. Now, I discovered this story because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came out and basically said that any any company that sponsors Kyrie Irving should drop him because Kyrie Irving played a video of Alex Jones. What's interesting is that they're both Aries, but, but Kyrie Irving's more Aries than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kyrie Irving's born on March 23rd. Kyrie Irving is a spring equinox Aries. He's pure Aries. He's just going to do what he does. Kareem's an Aries too, but he's um, he's not as close to the epicenter of the sign. Let's put it that way. And Kareem has just been, a, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has always been bitter. He's been bitter. A bitter man most of his life. He was kind of like Bill Russell 2.0. Bill Russell was bitter. Bitter dude. And I know a lot of people love Bill Russell. He's iconic. I'm like, eh. I'm like, eh. I'd much rather hang out with Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt was a Leo. Wilt knew how to party. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Russell was an Aquarian. So they were opposites. They were opposites. Uh, so anyway, uh, Kareem went after Kyrie. And oh, my God, all the all the virtue signalers are like, oh, job. You tell him Kareem. So then this was, uh, I think it was on the New York post or might've been a New York post Twitter page. It's a lot of comments. This one guy was like, a lot of people dropping dead. A lot of people dropping dead. And this one guy said, it's a lie. It's a lie. The guy brings receipts. So I just did a little search. And look what I found. Now, this is bizarre. 
former Jets lineman, Marvin Powell, Jim Sweeney, dead. Not one, but two. Can you say Mars and Gemini? Mars represents what? Warriors. Gemini, two. So here's here's the astrology happening. You think these guys might have been uh, zapped? I think so. Let's read the story. Former longtime New York Jets offensive lineman Marvin Powell and Jim Sweeney died this week. Like, they did not die together. It was not a suicide pact. By the way, I hope the fucking Mets lose in the playoffs. Sorry. Sorry for a Mets fan out there. If you're a Mets fan, I hope your team wins, but not. I have my reasons. Powell was a three-time All-Pro at right tackle. Marvin Powell went to USC. Jim Sweeney, if I'm not mistaken, where do you go to school? Was he Cal? I think he might have been Cal. Um, Powell was a three-time All-Pro right tackle and served as president of the NFL Players Association for two years during his 11-year career. The first nine with the Jets. He died Friday, the Jets said. Powell was 67. Sweeney is one of the Jets' most durable players, starting 158 consecutive games during an 11-year stretch with the team. Mostly at center, he died Saturday at the age of 60. The two were teammates during the Jets' 1984-1985 uh, seasons. Powell was a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Was drafted by the Jets number four overall as a number overall as a number four overall pick in 1977 out of USC. He won a starting job as a rookie and became one of the franchise's best and most decorated players. Selected the Pro Bowl five straight seasons. Marvin Powell, if he's not in the Hall of Fame, should be a Hall of Famer. He should be a Hall of Famer. So that's Powell. That's Sweeney. Uh, Marvin was one of the best offensive linemen I've seen. Former Jets wide receiver Wesley Walker, also from Cal, told the team's website he was just a physical specimen. He was just good. I just loved him. So I guess he finished his career with Tampa Bay. Uh, Pal was also leagues. Okay, so what else? He worked as an intern at the New York Stock Exchange. He earned a law degree from New York. Marvin Powell is an interesting human. Because so Sweeney was from Pittsburgh. Sweeney was a second-round pick out of Pittsburgh, where he was Dan Marino's center. Jim was a typical Pittsburgh guy, former teammate and current team radio analyst Marty Lyons, told the team's website he was tough. He was tough to practice against every day. You could count on him every single Sunday. He had a different personality as soon as he crossed over the lines, though. Hard-nosed, tough football player, loving, caring friend off the field. He's a warrior. Sweeney got into coaching after his playing days, serving as an assistant at Duquesne in Albany. He was also an assistant at the high school level in the Pittsburgh suburbs for eight years. Now, why the hell did two Jets players die in the same week? One day apart, Friday and Saturday. More than likely. More than likely. So while they're debating, while Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is trying to get Kyrie Irving canceled, two former players, both athletes, both in their 60s, Jim Sweeney was my age. They both dropped dead. Notice how 
there was no description of how they died. None whatsoever. See, the receipts are starting to pile up now. And Jason Whitlock isn't even talking about this. Although he did have a pretty good show last night. He and, he and Royce White crossed swords a little bit. It was good. It all has to do with Herschel Walker, speaking of football, who's running against uh, Raphael Warnock in Georgia. And Warnock is a piece of shit. He's just a piece of shit. He's a fake and phony man of God. Now, Herschel Walker, who proclaims to be a Christian, not a great dude. Is he as bad as Raphael Warnock? My sense is no. Herschel Walker's just weird. He's a weird cat. He's got a weird chart, too, by the way. But at one point, Herschel Walker wanted to pull an Elvis and work for the DEA, I swear to God, or FBI or some shit like that. He was kind of like, you know, James Brown was always hanging around Nixon. James Brown loved Nixon, loved him. I think there's actually on one of the tapes, one of the Nixon tapes, where Nixon says, well, we, we got to do something about James Brown. He's coming around here too much. <laughs> I swear to God. Like Nixon's like, you know, he's cool for a minute or two, but he's getting a little too familiar with me. Herschel Walker is kind of like that a little bit. He's he's different. Herschel Walker is different, but he's an ama- he's in amazing shape. The guy could probably still put on pads and probably go out and get 50 yards for an NFL team right now. I swear to God. That's how Herschel Walker is one of the greatest athletes of all time. I mean, great. He's running for Congress and his past is coming out. Um, apparently, he's fathered a bunch of kids out of wedlock. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and let's see what else. He paid for an abortion. And his son, whom he did not spend a lot of time with, has now turned on him and come out and lambasted him in front of the media. Why did this happen? Well, so first of all, his son is a Pinocchio. That's what Royce White called him. Jason was like, hold on, hold on. What's a Pinocchio? I knew what a fucking Pinocchio was, but Jason didn't know it. So Royce had to tell him what a Pinocchio was. And it's slang. It's vernacular for a person who um, desires to have a sexual congress with another person of the same sex. So Jason had to have that clarified. So yes, his son is a Pinocchio. Um, He's also a mixed Pinocchio. And he's also histrionic. It's, you know, it's like, it's so weird, right? How if you're going to be, if you are gay, and I'm not saying that all gay men are like this, but he was, you know, he was vamping the whole time he was doing his video. like And like, who put him up to it, too? Part of it is he's probably trying to get to the truth. He's a Pluto and Sag kid. Like, they're truth-oriented. They're truth-oriented. But then there's also the self-serving part, which is I'm going to have my 15 minutes of fame. Maybe somebody in the opposing camp paid for it. Maybe Herschel Walker's people did not pay for him to keep his mouth shut. I don't know what the uh, what the 
what the answer is. But that's how all this came out. So we have some more football stuff. Herschel Walker's a Pisces, by the way, in case you wanted to relay this back or relate this back to astrology. A lot of Aquarius in this chart. Mercury-Neptune square. I've talked about that before. Uh, he got bit by it. He got bit by the Mercury-Neptune square. And Herschel Walker, a uh, big fan of Donald Trump, worked for Donald Trump. When Donald Trump owned the New Jersey Generals, uh, Herschel Walker played running back for them. So they had a pretty close relationship. The Don and Herschel. Um, where are we? What do I want to talk about? I can go in two different directions right now. Where do I want to go? I could go into synchronicity over the weekend, or I could go into religious virtue signaling. So maybe I'll go into re religious virtue signaling for a moment. It's come to my attention, living here in the Hill Country, Watching the divide between the left and the right, conservative, theoretically progressive, that they are both equally culpable in the creation of their own cul-de-sac realities. Oh, looks like my power is going down here. Um, I may just bring it up now and table it for tomorrow. I think it's a pretty good discussion to have for a, a longer show. So why don't we leave that there? I don't want to unpack it because I think it's a bigger, bigger topic of conversation. It is the virtue signal of the right, the virtue signal of the left, um, the secular and religious piety that is displayed by both sides. And then if you're a member of both sides, you must perform on a regular basis in order to keep your membership up to date. All right, so why don't we leave that there? We'll dive into it tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, there's plenty of Don Ho videos on YouTube to uh, keep you happy and smiling. And let's see what else we have. Uh, oh, I'm going to be on a show tonight. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter or, or Facebook, I'll put the links up. Uh, so if you're into that sort of thing. And what else? Howdy McCoskey on Friday. Leaving Plato's cave. Escaping the cycle of reincarnation. That's going to be on the table on Friday. It'll be great. In the meantime, use your head in order to serve what's real, your heart to say what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. For myself and Jasper, my first mate, the Astro Cat, have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye for now. Shataria. Always a blessing.